0: Welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. We're also on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast, and you can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. And coming up today, we got to talk about ESPNU's positional rankings. It's kind of surprising where Oklahoma landed on a few of these, so we'll get into it on today's show. we also got to get ready for fall camp, and I've got... Top 10 pass catchers heading into fall camp and into the 2021 season for the Oklahoma Sooners. But first, let's talk about position U. First of all, let's get the big one out of the way, and that's the quarterback position. Oklahoma is quarterback university, and I don't think you needed ESPN to tell you that, and I don't think you need me to tell you that, because the history just speaks for itself, right? I mean, going back even to Josh Heupel, the 2000 season, even though his season did not finish the way it started because of the elbow injury, he was a highly productive quarterback, was a Heisman finalist. And then you just talk about the litany of Heisman winners that they've had, Jason White, Sam Bradford, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. That's just in the last you know decade and a half. That's an incredible run of Heisman trophy winners at the quarterback position. And then you got to throw in Jamel Holloway, Jack Mildren as well. Too many really, really good quarterbacks for the Oklahoma Sooners. I don't think there's anybody else. And it's going to continue, right? There's no reason why quarterback university won't continue as long as Lincoln Riley is the head coach for the Oklahoma Sooners, which there's no indication that that's going to slow down anytime soon. You know, we've got Spencer Rattler, who's projected to be the number one overall pick or the top quarterback in the, in the draft in the 2022 NFL draft. Coming up behind him, you got Caleb Williams, who's the top recruit in his recruiting cycle. Got Malachi Nelson coming up behind him, who is the number two quarterback in his recruiting cycle. I mean, what's not to like about the quarterback position? I mean, it's just been a fantastic group. Sam Bradford is one of those players that uh, he gets remembered well because he was so great. But I think because it's been so long since he was here, I think we forget just how ridiculous that offense was. I mean, and it, and it's a shame that he never was able to stay healthy enough in the NFL. Cause I think he would have turned out to be a really, really good quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, what a run of success Oklahoma's had at the quarterback position. It's, it's been incredible. And like I said, I, I don't see it slowing down. I don't think they're going to get worse in recruiting quarterbacks. If anything, I think it, it'll continue to thrive and, so let's move on to the running back position. The running back group comes in at number five on this list, and they come in behind Alabama, Wisconsin, LSU, and Miami. And I can totally understand Alabama and Wisconsin. They've had some great runners for Alabama. You got Mark Ingram, Derek Henry at Wisconsin, uh, Ron Dane, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor just come to mind. Uh, but I think. Miami, I mean, I feel like Miami's like their their success at the running back position is more historical. They've had great runners, obviously, like Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, but I, I can't. Yeah, it's just hard to think of a of a player in recent years that's come from Miami and been um a game changer at running back. LSU obviously had Leonard Fournette and and you know, then and, and more you know, most recently Clyde Edwards Hilaire but I feel like the running back position at Oklahoma has always been one of the, the great positions, you know, you have Quentin Griffin back in, you know, the early part of the, or late nineties, early two thousands. And obviously Adrian Peterson's one of the greatest college running backs of all time. DeMarco Murray was one of the most productive running backs in Oklahoma history, but then you also got Billy Sims, Steve Owens, Billy Vessels, who are Heisman trophy winners during their careers at Oklahoma. And so it's a bit surprising to see that Oklahoma finished as low as they did. I mean, top five is still pretty good, but I'd expected them to be a little bit higher on that. You know, they haven't had as much success getting players into the NFL and having sustained success since DeMarco Murray. I mean, Joe Mixon has done, done OK, but you know, the Bengals have been kind of a dumpster fire on offense until Joe Burrows taken over um, and their offensive line still isn't very good. And so we'll see if he can, you know, jumpstart his career and start becoming the elite running back that many expect him to be. You know, and then there's Samaj P. Ryan, which I don't know. He's he's pretty underrated player. I mean, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities, but I think you know he's solid in the NFL. He's, he's more of an RB two kind of a guy, short yardage, goal line type runner right now, but he can still be an effective player for you in the NFL. Uh, and then continuing on the offensive side of the ball, on at wide receiver, they come in at number three. Um, and this one surprises me a little bit. They come in behind USC and LSU. LSU, I can understand, they've had some really great wide receivers, especially in the last 10 years uh, with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and then T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, most most recently. USC, similar to like Miami, their wide receiver core that helped kind of thrust them into number one on USC's, or on ESPN's positional U rankings, that's like from 20 years ago or more, you know, Keyshawn Johnson and Mike Williams and Dwayne Jarrett, like a lot of these guys are coming from, you know, that run in the early two thousands for USC, but recently they haven't, I mean, they, Juju Smith-Schuster is a really good one that they put into the NFL, but other than that, they just really haven't had as much success putting wide receivers into the NFL. Um, But for Oklahoma, I mean, you gotta look at some of the production they've had at the receiver position. You, know, you got Ryan Broyles that were set in NCAA receiving records. Sterling Shepard was great for the Sooners and still playing in the NFL. You know, D.D. Westbrook just signed with the Lions, finished fourth in the Heisman Trophy voting. You know, you got Marquise Brown, C.D. Lamb, you know, Malcolm Kelly, even back into the 2000s. I don't know what there's not to like about this team as far as the wide receiver position. Again, third is just like me. I'm splitting hairs here. I feel like they could be higher on this list. Um but a lot of it just goes back to how they rank it. You know, they, they combine college success, draft stock, NFL success. They award points for all conference and all American selections and reward the best college performers. Uh, they also reward like NFL evaluations. And then they use, you know, pro football reference data to award points for, uh, production for the players first five years. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, the, the Sooners haven't had as much NFL success, maybe, as some of these other schools. But, I mean, for USC, like, other than Keyshawn Johnson, they didn't really have as much success in the NFL as Oklahoma has had, in my opinion. You know, Keyshawn Johnson is, was great. He was a great NFL wide receiver, but Mike Williams and Dwayne Jarrett, not so much, not so much. So we're going to continue this discussion. We've got a few more things to t- touch on on the offensive side of the football. We'll touch on the defensive side as well coming up after the break. And then I want to give you my top 10 wide receivers heading in or pass catchers heading into the 2021 season coming up later in the show. But first, I want to talk to you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You can save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why go to a storefront auto parts store when you can go to Rock Auto and save? You can save up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from Rock Auto, as opposed to going to a chain store or a car dealership. So go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. That's rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And now we got to move on to the tight end position. This is probably one that surprised me a little bit that they were kind of even top 10 on this list. They've had some really good tight, end, tight ends in the past, uh, but other than, you know, Mark Andrews recently and then you know Keith Jackson, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, almost, uh, they haven't had sustained success at the position in a long time. You know, Jermaine Gresham was solid in the NFL uh, James Hanna had a couple of solid years for the Dallas Cowboys as like a tight end three or tight end two. Uh, but you know, between Keith Jackson and Mark Andrews, there's not a whole lot of NFL success uh, as far as like elite NFL success. But you go back to Keith Jackson and his run for Oklahoma was absolutely incredible. He averaged 24 yards per reception. That is absolutely ludicrous from the tight end position. Ludicrous. He, in in 1985, he accounted for 60, or sorry, for 56% of the Sooners passing yards. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. You know, back then, they're running the ball way more, right? You know, in the 1985 season, they only threw the ball 105 times. 105 times. That's it and keith jackson's 22 receptions accounted for 40% of their completions. Redi- unreal. it's unreal. i just i think about what he did in that offense in, the, in in an offense that was run first, you know, they're they're trying to throw it as little as they possibly could. and he put up pretty incredible numbers for a team that only threw the ball barely 100 times. Just imagine what he would do in Lincoln Riley's offense today. He'd be like the Kyle Pitts of today, right? Somebody who was just dominating at every single level of the defense. So, yeah, they come in at seven. Again, not a lot of sustained success. I think Mark Andrews' success in the next several years will continue to bump that number up a little bit. Austin Stogner, as he gets to the NFL, will do that as well. Uh, They're certainly, you know, they're hurt a little bit by the Grant Calcaterra retirement and then transfer. I think that's a guy that could have gone to the NFL and had some success as well. But let's move on to the offensive line. They come in at number four uh, behind Alabama, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Uh, Alabama and Wisconsin, I get. Ohio State, they've... You know i think a lot of their success is probably in the past because i have a hard time thinking about you know any great players in the last 10 years that have come from the buckeyes but uh you know lane johnson and trent williams are the stars of kind of the offensive line over the last decade or so they've been one they've been a couple of the best left tackles in the nfl um, over the last 10 years but oklahoma's put out a lot of nfl talent uh, you know look at west sims and chris chester davin joseph Phil Holt, uh, Load Holt, Jamal Brown, a lot of really great college players that turned into really good or great NFL players as well. Uh, and then even in recent years, you know, Ben Powers, Cody Ford, Drew Samia, Bobby Evans. Right now, Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown are probably the two best uh, offensive linemen for Oklahoma in the NFL, aside from Trent Williams and Lane Johnson, who just continue to play at a really high level. This is one of those things that's going to, going to continue to improve, you know, as, as the years go along and Bill Biedenbow is still there, you know, Wanya Morris has a chance to be another great offensive lineman going to the NFL. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, I, I think four is pretty respectable. I, I would think they'd be third, but that's okay. No worries. No worries. And then At the defensive line, they ranked 10th. And again, this is one of those positions where they haven't had a ton of sustained success. Uh, They had, you know, a couple players, you know, Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy, make it to the NFL and play really, really well for a long time. But outside of that, they just haven't had much. You know, Neville Gallimore, Ronnie Perkins, and Oba Okoronkwo, they're in the league. But they just haven't had, obviously, Neville Gallimore just going into his second year. Ronnie Perkins just got drafted. Oboe just hasn't really had much of an impact for the Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, it's possible that they could see their their stock rise if Alex Grinch is able to stay with the defense for several more years. You know, this is a team that just hasn't had very much consistency um, on the defensive side of the football over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so. I mean, a lot of their success at, on defense, on the defensive side of the ball and a lot of reason they're ranked high is probably because of the success they had during the, you know, the Barry Switzer days and, and maybe even before, but you, know, you go back to like Tony Casillas and Leroy Selman, the Selman brothers, and they had a lot of great defensive linemen in those days, not as much in recent years, but have they have a chance though, you know, like they got you know, Perry and Winfrey and Jalen Redmond and LeBron Stokes. They, they each have a chance to make an impact at the next level. You know, if Ronnie Perkins is able to, to take hold, you know, for the new England Patriots, which I think he will, I still think that was a, an amazing pick by the Patriots to get him in the third round. And so I think that could see Oklahoma's status rise. You know, they'll get more points as Neville Gallimore and Ronnie Perkins uh, become stars at the next level, which I think they'll both be Uh linebacker. Oklahoma comes in at sixth behind Georgia, Bama, Ohio state, USC, and Penn state. Yeah. A lot of this success is just from Brian Bosworth, Rocky Calumas, Teddy Lehman. Uh, then you got, Curtis Lofton, who had a, a long run in the NFL. And then, uh, you know, coming up is, is Kenneth Murray. You know, the high expectations for Kenneth Murray for the Chargers. And if he's able to live up to those expectations, that should help Oklahoma get more points as far as this is concerned. You know, right now on the team, they've got some solid depth or they've got some solid players that we're hoping can take the next step into stardom. You know, Brian Asamoah, Deshaun White, David Aguebu, and Shane Whittier. Will they? I don't know. And then one thing that's interesting is how would they classify a guy like Nick Bonito? Technically his position is rush linebacker, but he's more of like a three, four outside linebacker. He's an edge rusher. I mean, he's there to rush the passer. Obviously he plays the run well as well, but that's not what he's there for. His job is to rush the passer, get sacks, disrupt the passing game, create pressure. Uh, And so to me, he should be more classified like a, a defensive end, but it's just a matter of how, Honestly, the NFL ranks him because or classifies him, because if he's classified as an outside linebacker playing in a three, four defense, that's a linebacker. But that's just mints and words. And but I mean, if he if they if they classify him as an edge rusher or defensive end, then they'll help the, the defensive line get more points in their next iteration of these rankings. Uh, and then you get the defensive back and Oklahoma came in unranked. Um The top 10 were Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Florida, Miami, Florida State, Texas, USC, Georgia, and Virginia Tech. Again, not not terribly surprising that Oklahoma is unranked in this area. You know, the, the two big stars for Oklahoma at defensive back were Roy Williams, obviously, and Derek Strait. And that's nearly 20 years ago. You know, Tony Jefferson went undrafted into the NFL, but did have some years of success with the Baltimore Ravens and then with the Arizona Cardinals. And so I think, you know, it's one of those things that, it's another position that could gain more traction and get more, um, accolades as the next few years go along, you know, with players like DJ Graham and Woody Washington at cornerback, I think there's, there's a chance that those two guys could be top hundred picks in the NFL. Cause they've got size length, playmaking ability. And then you look at a guy like Key Lawrence, if he's able to establish himself as a free safety for the Oklahoma Sooners, that could help them improve their, uh, their point value, so to speak with ESPN's position, u rankings. So, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it's fun to look at these rankings. I think it's it's interesting to see kind of where Oklahoma lands historically against some of these other teams. One thing that stood out is Bama. Goodness gracious. Uh, they're just dominant. I mean, I think they finished in the top 10 in nearly every category here. And I don't see any reason why that's going to slow down for them either. They're just one of the, the dominant forces in college football's you know history. And they do a great job of getting players into the NFL. I, we talked about it on a show you know, with uh, earlier this week, I think it was a Tuesday show maybe about how the move for Oklahoma will impact the way the NFL sees the Sooners because there they'll, will they'll be an SEC team. You know, and if if Ronnie Perkins or Ramondre Stevenson or Creed Humphrey played in the SEC last year and had the same production, they're the first round picks, no doubt about it, to me. But because of the way that college football views or the NFL views, the big 12, I feel like they got their draft stock kind of knocked a little bit because of the the lack of talent in the big 12. And so I thought, you know, the Oklahoma's move to the sec will help them get more players drafted into the NFL and it'll help their, their status on ESPN's positional U rankings. Uh, but coming up next, let me give you my top 10 wide receivers or top 10 pass catchers heading into the 2021 season. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun group. I'm really looking forward to watching these guys play next year but we'll do that next here on locked on seniors but let me talk to you about bet online bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can catch all of the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code LOCKEDON. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now here on the Locked On Sooners podcast, let's talk about the top 10 pass catchers heading into the Oklahoma Sooners 2021 season. This is, like I said, it's going to be a great group. Really looking forward to watching these guys play. And it all starts with Marvin Mims. Absolutely spectacular player that stepped onto this scene last year, led the Sooners in receiving, led them with nine touchdowns, finished 10th in, in the nation in touchdown receptions as a true freshman. You know, I don't think there are many, very many high expectations for Oklahoma last year, but he surpassed them all and now is probably going into the season as the number one target in Lincoln Riley's offense. And then you got Austin Stogner, who's going to be bouncing back from a really devastating knee injury that gave him a really difficult recovery time uh, because of an infection, but getting him back will be huge for Spencer Rattler, huge for the offense because he was playing really, really well. He only played eight games, but he finished third on the team in receiving yards and receptions. Had he finished the season out, good chance he finishes with, you know, second on the team and receiving. And then you go to a guy like Theo Weiss. Theo Weiss is probably one of the more underrated Sooners um, on this team. And, he might not be as dynamic as marvin Mims, but he's just a clutch player he comes up with big third down receptions tied for the team lead in first down catches um he's able to make guys miss on the outside he's able to do a lot of really good work in the short to intermediate passing game just does a really good job on like curl routes on the comeback routes and being available for spencer rattler and providing a big target Uh, so i think getting him you know starting him on the outside with Marvin Mims in the slot is going to be a really good combination for the Sooners. You get somebody that's solid, like Weiss, who is reliable, dependable, and then you get a big play threat in Mims playing out of the slot. That's going to provide really interesting options for Spencer Rattler in the passing game. And you can't underrate also, and we've talked about it before on the show, the ability for Spencer Rattler and Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss to all get a full off season together working on the passing offense. You know, it, it takes time to develop chemistry and continuity, and I think that's a really underrated benefit to what's going on this off season versus what happened last year when Spencer Rattler didn't get a full off season for with the Sooners uh, because of COVID. Uh, and then coming at number four, you got Mike Woods, uh, who's coming over from Arkansas, and he was an explosive player for the Razorbacks last year, averaged more than 18 yards per reception you know, 612 yards, five touchdowns. And, you know, his best game of the year was against LSU, where he caught four passes for 140 yards. Uh, The dude's dynamic. Um, There's a good chance that he could start on the outside as well. Uh, You know, right now, Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Weez are projected to be the outside receivers in the offense, but it wouldn't surprise me if Mike Woods gets a lot of run too, because he's just a, a dynamic deep threat and he can make plays downfield. And you need that sometimes you need somebody that can stretch the field, take some pressure off of the intermediate passing game, the short passing game and off the run game as well. If, if Spencer Rattler and Mike Woods can create a connection that forces teams to respect the deep ball along with Marvin Mims, because we know Marvin Mims is going to make plays down the field, then it's going to make it really, really difficult for teams to be able to cover underneath because they're not going to want to get beat over the top. And Spencer Rattler is going to be able to pick them apart all day underneath. Uh, and then you got Eric Gray coming at number five, Eric Gray. Um, probably won't see the target share that maybe a guy like Jaden Hazelwood will. But I mean, last year he caught 31 passes. And the impressive thing about him is that he averaged 7.9 yards per reception after the catch. So he's making something happen once the ball gets in his hands. And that's what you, we're excited about with Eric Gray, right? Not just his ability to run the football or to catch the football, but it's what he does after he has the football. His ability to make guys miss to use that change of direction ability and get into open space and just make big plays. And I think he's going to do that for the Sooners. And then you got Jayden Hazelwood and he's the player I'm most excited to watch this year, uh, just because, you know, he didn't get a full season last year because of the knee injury. Now that he's healthy and back, uh, I think his athleticism is going to create really interesting opportunities for the Sooners in the passing game. I think him and Spencer Rattler are going to be able to develop a really nice rapport. And when Spencer Rattler is looking to throw a YOLO um, into double, triple coverage you know, Jaden Hazelwood is going to be the guy. But it's going to be unlikely that Hazelwood sees a lot of double coverage or triple coverage because of the abilities of Marvin Mims and uh Mike Woods, even in Austin Stogner. I think teams aren't going to be able to throw a lot of coverage or shade much coverage toward Jaden Hazelwood because they'll have to respect those other guys. But Hazelwood in particular, you know, he's he's just a big guy, dynamic body. He's got good athletic, athleticism and good hands. And I think that's going to help uh, Spencer Rattler a lot in the passing game to have a player with his athleticism running routes and in the offense. And then you got Jeremiah Hall coming in at number seven. Uh, Jeremiah Hall, man, how much fun is it to see Jeremiah Hall catch passes? I love it. I know Sooners fans love it as well. And and because we love the H back position, we love what he brings to the table. Uh, And he was second on the team in touchdowns with five. And so he's a big time red zone option for the Sooners, especially when they try to run that play action bootleg where he kind of just slips out of the backfield, but he's able to make plays down the field as well. Uh, Just his big body and his uh, receiving ability is going to be huge for the Sooners. Uh, And then you got Mario Williams coming in, you know, another freshman who has an opportunity to break out. If he's able to take advantage of his opportunities in practice and then early in the season against like Tulane and, you know, in those non-conference games, then he could earn more opportunities down the road that get him on the field in bigger games. You know, we know Lincoln Riley is unafraid to get freshmen out on the field if they've earned those opportunities. Uh, and then Braden Willis comes in next, uh, Brayden Willis, you know, he didn't get a lot of opportunity last year, only played in five games, only caught nine passes, but he, he caught all nine of his targets, uh, for 110 yards and a touchdown. And it was at the end of the season that he did his best work when Austin Sogner was out, you know, in the last two games of the regular season, uh, well, really the last game of the regular season and then the conference championship game and you know, he caught seven pa- or six passes for 70 yards and a touchdown against Oklahoma state and Iowa state combined. Uh, just a solid player, you know, guy that is when the ball goes his way, he's going to make the catch. And that's huge. Like to to have another guy at the tight end position that is going to be able to make plays for you is, is absolutely huge. Um, if you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. And you can't have enough players like that. And even if he is only the the number two tight end on the team or the number three H back on the team, um, Lincoln Riley is not going to be afraid to send the ball his way because of the way he performed last year. Uh, And I think he'll have some more opportunities this year, especially if they run some 12 personnel or multiple tight end sets, there's going to be opportunities for him to get some, get some catches because teams will be focused on Austin Stogner. Uh, over the middle of the field and Braden Willis has got that athleticism to make some plays down the field for the Sooners. And then coming at number 10, it's everybody's favorite sooner right now. That's Drake Stoops. I mean, I don't say everybody's, but you know, he's one of those guys that everybody just is really excited for and loves him. And obviously some of that connection is to Bob Stoops, but the other part of it is just the way he plays the game. He just plays it so physically tough. He plays with reckless abandon. He's unafraid of taking hits and he just makes big plays. 12 of his receptions of his 18 receptions in 2020 went for first downs according to pro football focus. So that's a guy that almost, you know, 67% of the time that you throw him the ball, he's going to, it's going to be for a first down and he just makes plays and you love it. You love to see it. Um, and so, yeah, there's my top 10 pass catchers heading into the 2021 season. i really excited to watch this group. I, I love that. It's a, a varied group of players. It's a group that has a lot of different skill sets and i think that's really fun i think uh they're, they're going to be a dynamic group and they're going to make this offense a lot of fun to watch in 2021 and that's going to do it for today's episode of the lockdown sooners podcast thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts we're available on apple google spotify and the odyssey app Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners or on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. And until tomorrow, boomer, sooner.